Hello everyone, welcome. My name is Christopher, and you are listening to God Over Everything, GOE, with me, your host. Before we begin, let's pray. And God, thank you for the really beautiful day you have made. Please use me for your honor and glory. Please use me to teach others about your word. Please bless everyone listening, learn something about your word, and put it into practice. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Let's begin. Today is week two of The Enemy. For more information about the devil, go to crosswalk.com. Before I read the article, I'm going to say in my own words what the devil does to us. He tempts us, which means he lies to us. The definition of tempting is appealing to or attracting someone even if wrong. He lies to us. Like here's an example. He'll, He'll tell you it's okay to steal. As long as nobody catches you. But that's wrong. That's a lie. Because in the Ten Commandments, God says, do not steal. He doesn't say, do not steal if someone catches you. He plainly just says, do not steal. He's been doing that since the very beginning with Adam and Eve. Remember? He told Eve, did God really say, do not eat the fruit of the tree? And Eve, that made Eve doubt and be like, hmm, did God say that? Yes, he did say that. And you shouldn't have eaten the fruit. So that's what he does in my own words. And now we're going to read the article, so let's get to it. Satan has been using his wisdom and wild to rob humanity of eternal salvation since his fall from grace. In fact, Satan ushered in humanity's first sin by tempting Adam and Eve with much the same desire that caused his own fall, the sinful desire to be like God. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 14 verses 13 to 14. Isaiah chapter 14 verses 13 to 14 says, For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, I will be like the most high. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 3 verses 1 through 5. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in that day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Importantly, Satan's first temptation of mankind succeeded not only in straining humanity's relationship with God, but also causing our first parents to turn against each other when Adam blamed Eve for giving him the forbidden fruit to eat. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3 verse 12. It says, Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. This shows how how easily temptation and sin can lead to conflict and division, furthering Satan's goal of creating chaos among God's children. Compounding Satan's power is the fact that he isn't working alone. The army of angels that Satan assembled in in his 
resurrection against God. One third of the angels now serve as demons doing Satan's bidding. Let's go to Revelation chapter 12 verses 4 through 9. Revelation chapter 12 verses 4 through 9 says, His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God in his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has, where she has a place prepared by God. Then they should feed her 1,260 days. A war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Demons are no less dangerous than Satan, as scripture describes them as spiritual forces of evil. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against princip principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of his age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Who can deceive, torment, and cause believers to do evil themselves? Oh, I'm sorry. Let me read that again so it makes sense. Okay. Demons are no less dangerous than Satan, as scripture describes them as spiritual forces of evil who can deceive, torment, and cause believers to do evil themselves. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 13 to 14. Second Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7 says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet, buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Now let's go to Luke chapter 23 verses 3 through 4. Luke chapter 22 verses 3 through 4 say, Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Issachariot, who was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how they might betray him to them. What can we learn from Satan's fall? As believers, 
We know that Satan and his demons will ultimately be defeated and cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. Let's go to Matthew chapter 25 verse 41. Matthew 25 verse 41 says, Then he will say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. However, until the end times, Satan remains a powerful spiritual being whose sole aim is to deceive us into serving, into, into serving our relationship with God and each other. Let's go to John chapter 8 verse 44. John 8, chapter 8, verse 44 says, hold on, I lost it. Give me one second. It says, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for for he is a liar and the father of it. Let's go to Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has have come. For the accuser of our brethren, the accuser who accused them before, our God day and night has been cast down. I'm going to read that again. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before, our God day and night has been cast down. It is by serving our relationship with God and with our brothers and sisters that Satan seeks to steal our peace and ultimately destroy our lives. Let's go to John 10.10. John 10.10 says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. So, this verse here is saying what the devil does and what Jesus has come to do. It says the devil, the thief, which is the devil, does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy all our relationship with God, our family, everything that we, all our friends and family, he wants to kill, steal, and destroy them. Destroy relationships, destroy who we are, kill everything. He wants to do all that to everything we are and everything we have. And then it says, 
I have come. This is Jesus saying, I have come. They might have life, that they might have it more abundantly, which means to have it more. To I don't know how to describe that. I'll look up abundantly in a dictionary and I'll put it in the comments. I think it means to have it more filling, like more. I'm not sure. I'll put it, I'll go in a dictionary and find out what that word means. Okay. It's no wonder that in describing the devil's attempts to unravel God's kingdom, the apostle Paul described this, this, Despicts Satan as a roaring lion that prowls around looking for someone to devour. 1 Peter 5.8 One way the devil devours our relationship with God and with one another is by tricking us and believing what is right and wrong is relative. Satan wants nothing more for each other of us than to act our own individual gods. Casting stones at each other based on our own moral code and denying the authority and commandments of the one of the only God of the universe. To avoid falling into same tra- Satan's traps, we need we need to look no further than the cause of Satan's explosion from paradise. Pride. Satan's pride was the first sin committed in the universe, and humanity has been unnoticed ever since that pride goeth before the fall. Let's go to Proverbs 16, 8. Chapter 16, verse 18. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Now let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 6. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 6 says, Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Arguably, all sins are rooted in pride if we consider that sin is the placing of our own desires above the will of God. I'm going to say that again. All sins are rooted in pride if we consider that sin is the placing of our own desires above the will of God. Wow. Thus, the faithful can keep from becoming ensnared in pride and all of the other sins that stem from pride by living the word of God. The word instructs us to love God and one another. Let's go to Matthew chapter 22 verses 34 through 40. Matthew chapter 23 verses 34 through 40 says, Therefore indeed, I send you prophets, wise men and scribes, some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that that on you may come all the righteous bloodshed on the earth, for the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berkiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. See, your house is left to you des- 
desolate, desolate. For I say to you, you shall see no man, no more. Wait, oh, hold on. I think I read the wrong verse. It's Matthew. Yeah, I read the wrong verse. Sorry about that. Matthew twenty-two thirty-four through forty. No, Matthew twenty-two. Okay, I got it. Matthew chapter twenty-two, verses thirty-four through forty says, "But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law?' Jesus said to him, "'You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment.' And he's and second, and the second is like it: "'You shall love your neighbor as yourself.'" On these two commandments hung all the law and the prophets. The word instructs us to love God and one another, to make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. To make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to pray for our enemies. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5 verse 44. Matthew chapter 5 verse 44 says, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Pray for our enemies by doing what we can to reflect love, peace, and humility in our actions. We can resist Satan by keeping pride at bay and submitting to the will of God, who promises to oppose the proud and lift up the humble. Let's go to James chapter 4, verses 6 to 10. James 4, 6 to 10 says, But he who gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your, cleanse your hand, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Alright guys, thanks for joining me. Let me know in the comments if you enjoyed the series so far, if you're learning anything. I know I'm learning something. Thank you so much for joining me. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye.